0: All right, hi there, everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of the podcast goes to hosted by myself matt and by bob klein who joins me now bob how are you
1: how's it going dude thanks for having me
0: good man it's it's good Uh, on this first episode the podcast goes to the shape of water the most recently crowned picture um and uh, that's sort of going to be the theme of our show where every week we're going to discuss a movie that was nominated for Best Picture at some point over the last 90 years. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll discover some gems along the way, and I have a feeling that we'll also discover some movies that haven't really held up over the over the decades that have passed. Like all of them. Like all of them. <laughs> and for some reason... Um, when thinking about making this the the one the same movie keeps popping into my head do you know which one it is
1: it's not there will be blood is it
0: (laughs) no but (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's a movie called shakespeare in love oh no (laughs) that's actually one of those movies that gave me the idea that maybe it it we should come back and and review some of these older films and discuss their meaning and talk about why were they nominated in the first place and do they hold up and what yeah. was the purpose of this and and i think that's will be one of the many topics that we discuss if we ever get to shakespeare in love but uh, as bob will explain we're going to try and do this in a unique russian roulette style
1: so yeah the point of this show is uh, we're gonna pick pick winners out of uh out of a hat and talk about them each week so it should be fun
0: yeah, so we'll have no idea what exactly we're talking about until we get there, but um, we're a little bit makeshift this week because we want to get our first episode out, and the Oscars were just last Sunday, so uh, due to the proximity of the awards, we thought, hey, let's get our first episode out. So for, for this week, um, we might be a little unorganized, and we're going to um, plan to talk about one of the more recent nominations next week as well after which we will dive into a grab bag of several hundred movies spanning a 100 years and uh pick one at complete random and uh and then the adventure will really begin
1: cool so let's dive in so this week we are talking about the best picture winner shape of water what is the shape of water bob uh generally it depends on where the water is if it's in a glass it's uh usually round and uh if it's in a
0: tank it's square oh very interesting wow (laughs) that's our enlightening facts to begin the show um so um what did you think of the shape of water
1: personally it was my favorite uh of the nominated best pictures this year i just like the uh the whole aesthetic of it it's a really beautiful movie The performances were awesome music was awesome it was
0: just all in all just uh one of my favorites this year what about you um i i liked it i thought it was good not great um for me uh, del toro is still chasing the pan's labyrinth high that that he reached and he he said in an interview that that every movie that he's done he's finished it and thought this is my favorite movie that I've ever done and he said that now The Shape of Water is his favorite movie but I find it hard to believe that that he, I guess now that it's won all the awards but Pan's Labyrinth was just so special um, that I find it hard that he considers himself having topped it but it was good it was good not great for me I did like the fairy tale aesthetic um, and, but the story the story sort of fell a little bit flat for me uh, so maybe this is a good place to start with our first nominated category, which is the script. Um, and you said that you enjoyed the you enjoyed the story.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed the story. I mean, this movie was pretty predictable. I want to say you knew where it was going. Maybe it was the previews that did it for you, or maybe it was the maybe it was just <laughs> the, the story itself. But I mean, it's a cute love story. I I, I enjoyed it.
0: So, full disclaimer before we go any further, is whatever movie we're talking about, um, spoilers from beginning to end. Like, if you haven't seen the movie and you want to see the movie and you don't want to have it spoiled, stop stop the podcast and go watch it and come back. Otherwise, uh, we're going to start diving into the gory details of the film, and I don't want to hear the angry comments on the message boards, which will no doubt be lit up after after our episode airs. Um
1: Hey, all publicity
0: is good publicity. This is true. I'm now yeah. I'm kind of maybe we should cut out this disclaimer and hope that people watch <laughs> it or listen to it and are just pissed off that we ruined the shape of water for them.
1: Yeah, in the beginning of the show we'll just we'll just tell everyone they're safe to listen to this without <laughs> <laughs> without ruining the movie and then we'll ruin the whole movie <laughs> we should It'll change it.
0: Th- okay so it's the first episode we can still change the name of the podcast right i think maybe just something like movie ruiners something unique like that matt and bob ruin movies
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean i ruin movies on a daily basis when i make them but <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true you're out in La- are you still in las vegas you're 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 out so- screening one of your movies
1: yeah, so I'm in uh, I'm in Los Angeles right now. The Los. Yeah. Los not las. Uh, right. <laughs> Masculine, not feminine. So yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. I'm heading to the Idlewild International Cinema Festival, Festival of Cinema, uh this weekend to show my film The Cabinet in the Woods.
0: Kinda which... sounds like the shape of water. Cabinet in wood.
1: I can assure you that it's uh, not nearly as good in just about every way. So.
0: <laughs> I Okay, well, I've seen Cabinet in the Woods, and it is it is definitely a far more surprising story than The Shape of Water.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wrote it and produced it and edited it, and I still don't really know what's going on. So, right, well, uh... People don't
0: like a boaster, though, Bob, so <laughs> let's stick to the best pictures. So... The Shape of Water opens in arguably the coolest scene of the whole movie, which is uh, it opens in in the apartment of our lead character, and everything is floating. And I thought this was just the perfect, coolest way to open a fairy tale esque tale. And um, it's really cool that they sh- they shot this with all practical effects, because the budget of the movie was so. Small, it was only $19 million, and they used puppeteers. They had eight puppeteers, upwards of eight puppeteers, manning every single object in the room, including Sally Hawkins, who plays um, Eliza, who is the lead character, the main character. And right off the bat, any sort of notion I had of this being a mundane, boring movie was thrown completely out the window. I just thought that was the coolest way to start a film
1: yeah i mean the whole water like the the floating around and stuff like that it it was really cool to me i i remember seeing guillermo del toro on i think it was kimmel a few months before the oscars and he was talking about how like most of the scenes weren't even filmed in water it was all like lighting effects so i thought that was really cool it just looked so cool it was and yeah, then of course she just except, starts the film masturbating in a tub.
0: Yeah, so exactly. Aww. So we go from we go from like this super super surreal f- people floating in their apartment to she's uh she's boiling eggs and she's ma- she's masturbating. And that's how we're introduced to um Eliza Espinoza.
1: Yeah, and uh I don't know how this didn't win any sound awards because uh Those are some pretty good tub masturbation towns. I seem to uh think so.
0: I yeah, I I thought the tub masturbation scenes were shot very tastefully. Um I never felt like I was violating her privacy, but I also felt like I was getting a good little peek into who she really is as a character. Like it says a lot about you, like where you where you're gonna masturbate in the morning. Like are you gonna do it before you get out of bed? Or is it going to be one of those, hey, while I'm getting clean, let's get a little dirty. And she chooses the tub. But but I will say this. It was definitely a conscious decision to have her masturbate in the tub because she ends up falling in love with a sea creature.
1: Spoiler. Well,
0: (laughs) do you think she was fantasizing about sea creatures during the opening scene?
1: Aha, that's interesting. No? (laughs) Uh, probably probably
0: not um but i thought it was an interesting choice to 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 introduce our the character that way like we don't really know right away that she's mute which is her defining character trait Mm. we instead know that she's sort of lonely which is another character defining character trait maybe a more defining character trait for her
1: yeah yeah i think that's a good it's a good way of showing that also on a side note what have you seen sally hawkins in before this movie
0: uh blue jasmine
1: okay i just feel like her being like kind of thrown into the 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 movie world with her like big like starring performance and it opens up with her masturbating in a tub that's kind of that's kind of (laughs) ballsy i think she's been
0: around the block so you've never seen another sally hawkins movie
1: are there a lot
0: I mean, there's a few. She's not. Yeah. She's not real. She's not that new. But oh, I mean, okay. I think she's. I think. I think Blue Jasmine was. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> was a, a big movie for her, um, but yeah, that is an interesting start. And so we do find out that she's. She doesn't speak. She's mute because, um, she was orphaned as a child and found in a river, and um, she had some sort of scratch wounds on her neck, which. I guess is the reason why she can't speak is because her vocal cords were scratched. Right. Is that, is that yeah, kind of how
1: the story goes is she has that scar and then she can't really speak because she, her vocal cords are still developing while she got it.
0: Yeah. So the legend goes,
1: <laughs>
0: so she can't speak. And she works as a, um, uh, you know, a cleaning woman at this top secret facility, which is, Super duper top secret, but yet the cleaning women have the access codes to pretty much every room, including the toppest, secretest of rooms, which is where this sea creature eventually arrives and is kept, which I thought was sort of interesting. But then I guess you could explain everything away with, well, it's supposed to be sort of a fairy tale. So of course they have the access codes.
1: But I mean, they have to keep those, they keep those cleans uh, up. They have to keep those rooms clean somehow. I mean, like, who cleans those rooms? Maybe I should trust the stories about the the janitor at Area 51 talking about alien testing.
0: (laughs) Maybe I should take them seriously now. Did you see there? I saw something today where this guy from the past, or this guy from the future has shown up to the past. Like, this guy from 2030 has come back in time to tell us about the future, which is fast approaching 20 years from now. And then, in a strange twist... Some guy from 2070 also came back and claimed that he was the same guy, but 40 years in the future. So the 2030 guy, afraid that his cover was going to be blown, was just like, whoa, I can't believe it. You're time traveling again, 40 years in my future. (laughs) Just like these two crackpots, like talking about time travel.
1: Yeah, that's actually future me. So just the FYI.
0: (laughs) Which, Which one? Are they both future you?
1: Yeah, <laughs> they're both me <laughs> um, coming back to tell me that this is a really bad idea and I should not do this podcast. <laughs> but you know what, Matt, because I like you, because I like movies, we're going to do it anyway. I appreciate,
0: so... <laughs> I appreciate that, Bob. Thanks for sticking around. So, so...
1: let's talk about the acting in this film. Um, it was nominated for three acting awards. Best Actress, Sally Hawkins best supporting actress octavia spencer and best supporting actor richard jenkins what are your thoughts on those things
0: um i thought richard jenkins was great so richard jenkins plays this um closeted um, homosexual neighbor who is also a struggling artist who is also unemployed and um He also has a pie obsession. Like he keeps going to this diner across the street and like getting these pies and he's obsessed with them, but then at one point he opens the refrigerator and like literally every pie he has ever bought is still in the refrigerator. Like he's hoarding them. Um and I thought he was really good. I I, So I don't think
1: he is obsessed with pie. I think he just is obsessed with the dude who serves the pie. Oh
0: And that's
1: why he goes there. Yeah, because he doesn't eat any of the pie because it sucks right?
0: Oh yeah. I totally, <laughs> it all makes that. sense now. <laughs> I, to- I totally picked up on that, Bob. I was just testing you <laughs> cause I felt like you might be about to leave the podcast and I felt like I needed to keep you on your toes. Um, yeah. So he does have the obsession with the, with the guy who works there. And then at one point he actually openly hits on him and the guy's like, fuck you, get out. We don't like your con here. And that's the end of that. But I really liked him. The character, uh, the the actress I think is least deserving of any sort of award recognition is um, Octavia Spencer.
1: How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. We were talking about this earlier. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, she's amazing in just about everything she's in. And she was great in this film. But her character, I just felt like they wasted her a little. You know you get octavia spencer in your film i want to i want to see a lot of octavia spencer um and it was it was a very small role i thought
0: yeah so it was a small role and um but i didn't think it was so small that it didn't warrant a recognition for for best supporting like i i've seen people i mean people are in the movie for 14 minutes and get get awards for best supporting (laughs)
1: <laughs> Myhirsh La Ali. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I he was didn't, great
1: though. <laughs> yeah, he was,
0: oh, well, well deserved. But what I didn't like about her character was I felt like it it didn't seem like it was any different from that sort of sidekick character that she's been playing for a few years now where like in every scene she's sort of like, mm mm-hmm, and like that's sort of the extent of her character. At least in this one, so, okay, so she, so for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, she plays the sort of sidekick, also cleaning woman, who is reluctant to go along with all of Eliza's plans, but then ends up doing so anyway, and, like, helping her out. Spoiler. And, and that's sort of, <laughs> that's sort of it for her. And she has a husband that she can't stand, who is also a, a big wimp.
1: Damn it, Brewster! Okay, Uh <laughs> Is that his name?
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, so yeah. Brewster. So his hus- So her <laughs> husband Brewster is sort of like this baby. And I thought she was less deserving than Michael Shannon, who didn't even get a nomination.
1: Exactly, yeah, I was surprised. I thought he was well-deserving of uh, supporting, or is he considered a lead actor in that? He, yeah, supporting. He
0: been, well, if, if Richard Jenkins was considered supporting, I think he had has to be considered supporting as well.
1: Technically, the, the guy who played the fish dude would be the lead actor. <laughs>
0: oh, no. I don't know about that. So, Doug Jones plays the fish, and Doug Jones also plays um, Saru on the new Star Trek. So, I was very familiar Ooh. with his acting. Um, and I guess he's sort of like the Andy Circus of getting in big monster suits because he is also in a monster suit in Star Trek.
1: Yeah, he's he has a history of being in a lot of monster suits, from what I understand.
0: Yeah, that's sort of like his thing. Like he has like yeah. big, long limbs, he's like, so he's like, oh.
1: Yeah, he's super like tall and skinny, so he can he can do that.
0: <laughs> that definitely eliminates me from any and, future monster. Uh, and for, monster for the movie.
1: record, I'm on IMDb right now, and I'm looking at Doug Jones what do you think this character's called on imdb
0: oh okay i remember seeing this in the credits and being like oh that's what it's called i think he's just called sea creature
1: so here oh, it says amphibian amphibian man
0: oh amphibian man okay <laughs> well that's that interesting k- that kind of makes sense because del toro's whole inspiration for this was um was what's it what's it called the, uh
1: creature in creature... the black lagoon or yeah, something? yeah yeah
0: yeah and because um, originally he was going to try and make a um, a um remake of that, right? I think so. And then will the, pretend to agree with you. And then the studio was kind of like, dude, no, you're not going to make a remake of The Creature from the Black Lagoon. So he's like, all right, I'm going to make pretty much that movie, but it's going to be during the Cold War and people are going to get their fingers bitten off, which yeah. is why I think Michael Shannon deserved an Oscar because he tore his own fingers off.
1: Yeah, he had not one of those like, play the clip for the uh the oscar nomination parts but he had like six of those (laughs) there's like when he drags um when he drags the dude across the uh like by the mouth out in the rain that was an awesome scene when he rips off his fingers that was another scene like um when he when he hits on sally hawkins like he just i don't know i thought he was awesome and i'm i'm surprised he didn't get uh, any award recognition for that
0: yeah so michael shannon plays richard strickland who is in charge of overseeing this monster and he is like your prototype creepy military guy who is like way too serious about his military duties to the point where he just is deranged and I don't know about you, Bob, but I'm sort of getting a little bit tired of, like, oh, how do we make this villain extra creepy? Oh, let's, like, make him be a little bit rapey. Like, did he really? Like, there's this whole subplot of him hitting on um, Esp- Esposito. I'm sorry, I called her Espinosa earlier. Esposito. And, like, tries to sort of seduce her. And then I'm like, really? Like, do we need him to also be, like, and a sexual assaulter he wasn't creepy enough
1: so it kind of they kind of justify it in the film because he's having sex with his wife and he, she keeps talking to him and he keeps telling her to shut up and then he meets sally hawkins character who's mute and then he's like oh i could have sex with someone and not talk to them it'll be great you know
0: <laughs> no but okay but he had already met sally hawkins at that point so i think that that was his fantasy like, I think he was already yeah. obsessed with her at that point, And then he's banging his wife, trying to imagine that it's her and she's yapping. So it's ruining the illusion. So he puts his disgusting, like, gross fingers over her mouth. And it's like, please shut the fuck up while I'm boning you.
1: I guess so. Although, isn't. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that scene was weird, too. He's like, his fingers are, like, falling off. <laughs>
0: yeah, so, like, yeah. right when he... Tra- so, he's trying to torture this monster, and it, and I guess somehow it slashes his fingers, and they both fall off. And then for the rest of the movie, he has them bandaged on, and... And by the end they're all blackened and rotten And he gets so angry And he's trying to prove a point So he's just like fuck it Rips the fingers off and just throws them across the room And at that point that's when The bitch husband is like I know, I know <laughs> what's going on I'll tell you everything So But I thought that was pretty cool I, I thought that his character was probably my favorite character
1: In the whole film you, Your favorite character was Michael Shannon's character Yeah
0: and I'm a little I'm a little bit biased Because I do love Michael Shannon
1: He's great, and yeah. And
0: he, he, he plays that same character. Similar to Octavia Spencer, he sort of plays that same character in everything. Like, I remember when he was in Boardwalk Empire and he was the, you know, he was the guy in charge of busting all the bootleggers. And he was that same crazy, deranged, like, super religious character who just didn't give a shit and beat everyone up. And and then by the end, like, he's the one who is just is so crazy that he ends up just self-destructing.
1: Yeah, that makes sense what else about acting anything else about acting
0: oh only only that um i i felt like uh michael michael stuhlbarg who plays hofstetler mm-hmm. i i am i am increasingly impressed with him because he was also in call me by your name and plays this super sweet dad and then in this one he's this russian spy I was like, "Wow!" And he does this perfect Russian accent to the point where I was You're like, "You were
1: speaking Russian, Bob." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so he, he's the Russian spy who eventually gets found out and dragged through mud onto—is that a giant pile of salt? Are they in like a salt field?
1: Salt or sand? Yeah, I don't know.
0: Because I thought, oh, if this is salt, this is kind of cool because like the sea monster needs salt in his water, or sorry, amphibian man needs salt in his water to survive. How like, dare oh, that's just... <laughs> I'm sorry, amphibian man. Like, that's just one of the motifs is salt, every speak, and, and these two characters are very salty, so it kind of fits.
1: By the way, for the record, Octavia Spencer's character's name is Zelda.
0: No, it's not.
1: That's what it says that's, here. There's,
0: no, she's not. I'm, no.
1: On, I'm on IMDb. Zelda Fuller.
0: Her, Zelda, her name is Zelda, and just like the lead is Esposito instead of Espinosa, or what did
1: That's her last name. Her name is Eliza. Yeah. Eliza Esposito. I know, yeah. but they
0: call her Esposito. Strickland calls her Esposito. Esposito.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Which is kind of cool. That makes sense.
0: But um, yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought, I didn't think, I think any shortcomings this movie had, it's not in the acting.
1: No, not at all. And to be fair, I if if doug jones was nominated for a supporting actor or lead actor and uh michael shannon was nominated too i i wouldn't be disappointed or surprised so i think they did a good job with this one no awards though
0: no no awards well they had some they had kind of stiff competition i mean none of them were none of them were going to beat um Sean Rockwell or Sam Rockwell for example yes Sean Rockwell there's no one quite like him
1: (laughs) he's he's my favorite actor (laughs) for the record
0: literally there's no one like him he does not exist Um, (laughs) let's go to our next category I want to talk about the I want to talk about the uh, production design which I think is the strength of the movie Um, won the Oscar so obviously it did it
1: beat yeah it beat out Blade Runner Beauty and the Beast, Darkest Hour, and Dunkirk. That's that's tough competition right there.
0: Especially Beauty and the Beast. Don't you agree?
1: I would agree if I saw it.
0: <gasps> <laughs> well, I never.
1: But do you hear that, Matt? What is... Do you hear it? It's all around us.
0: Uh-huh. That is,
1: oh no, are they playing us off stage?
0: I think they're playing oh. us off.
1: And we were just getting going. All right. We'll be back to you shortly.
0: Okay. And we are back from our short break. That break brought to you by no one just yet. Hope you enjoyed the soothing sounds of the, wrap it up music that we played. Um, And we're back talking about production design. Myself, Matt and Bobby Klein. My, um, my thoughts on the production design are very creative, but I started to see where they were trying to cut corners. As crazy as that sounds, because I started. seeing. How
1: dare you? They won the Oscar for that production design.
0: Kudos to them. Um, And it looked great. And it looked great in the same couple of rooms throughout the whole movie. And I started to notice, like, I, 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 I just felt like the world wasn't that big.
1: You tell that to Paul Denham, Osterberry, and Shane View, and Jeff Melvin.
0: Oh, well, they sound Those like very the... close friends of yours, by the way you pronounce their names. <laughs> I know them names. very well, well, and I
1: know how to pronounce their names. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but, like, no, like, you know, so so it takes place basically in her apartment and in the lab. And the lab is basically, right? And it's basically the room and the hallway. And back in the room and back in the hallway, back in the room, back in the hallway. We never see anything else. Oh, and then the guy's office
1: and the movie theater
0: and the loading dock but even, and
1: the russian apartment okay despite
0: it sounding michael like michael shannon's
1: house <laughs>
0: despite it sounding like i am exaggerating i still felt like i saw the same rooms over and over again and not in a way where it's like oh this is where the movie takes place like i felt like the lab i felt like i felt like the laboratory was the same three rooms and the facility is supposed to be huge like I could I could envision Del Toro with a bigger budget throwing in some extra critters at some point, but he didn't have the money to do it. So it's literally the hallway leading up to the room, and then inside the room, and then the loading dock.
1: Oh, that would have been cool! Other rooms with like other other sea monsters and stuff.
0: Yeah, mm. but but we're going to sequel. <laughs> sequel.
1: Oh, stop it! <laughs> hmm.
0: I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. Do you, have, do you have any ideas for a sequel, Bob?
1: Yeah. I mean, so the film ends. I'm going to tell you how the film ends. Actually, how does the film end? It ends with them Dude, floating off into the abyss it's, and it's either most, she's dead or she's not.
0: <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing. This is my hatred of advertising campaigns is it ends exactly how it like the poster is the literal last shot of the movie. Like the last <laughs> frame of the movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's but them, it's a beautiful poster.
0: <laughs> and the poster is great. And the trailer also has that last shot in the movie, in the film. But basically, um, it ends. So Strickland, so so they escape. And the monster, the Amphibian Man is then kept in the tub at Esposito's house. and <laughs> um, And we haven't even talked about this yet. But they start to bone, like, all the time. Like she is attracted to this sea monster and apparently his his contraption opens like a flower and pops out at which she describes.
1: <laughs> he's, he's talking about the penis for all the users that aren't understanding <clears throat> Matt, what Matt's saying. Um, okay. He's talking about giant amphibian penis. Yep. Yeah, Yeah,
0: and on. so they start to bone, and their bone sessions get so intense that at one point she decides, I'm going to fill up this entire room with water, and we're going to float underwater in the bathroom and just just keep going at it. <laughs> I don't think you could give less of a fuck than she did in that moment when she decided to hell with the water bills and well, this whole building might collapse, but I'm gonna go ahead and just fill up fill up the house now with water.
1: Yeah, I mean that was one of the many absurd fairy tale moments. Um maybe even more so than that dance number thing in the middle. <laughs> Whatever that was.
0: <laughs> Her fantasy dance number where suddenly she can sing and now they're on stage and dancing. Yeah. Oh God. I'm hit.
1: <laughs> oh man. Matt just said the most amazing thing that he dropped the mic <laughs> podcast
0: killed. <laughs> so yeah. So I love the, I love the sex scenes. Um, I love that in the same place where she was stroking herself now she has a sea monster to fulfill her every waking
1: desire. It's pretty awesome. I think the one thing that this film is missing, to be perfectly honest, is like a raunchy ass sex scene. Like, like a more real, graphic, more graphic. You really see how his mechanisms work, and I don't know. I, I think I think this like just a hardcore. Like they made it so elegant. They made it so beautiful. You didn't really see. You know, you just see them kind of wrapping arms around each other. I don't know. I felt like I needed a little more than that.
0: I think you're looking for the pornographic cut of the movie. I don't think you want to see this movie. I think you want to see a movie with Amphibian Man, like, in a gangbang.
1: Can I borrow the costume? Is it for sale?
0: (laughs) I don't know if the costume comes with I think Penis is sold separately. Like, I don't think that they ever built one for him. Like, do you think, are you envisioning there being some deleted scene where you actually get to see it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, uh, Del Toro always wanted it in the movie. And, uh, it just kind of got cut. You know, the studio was like, eh. We don't want, we don't want Bob to like the movie too much. Because whenever (laughs) Bob doesn't like a movie, it usually wins. So, uh."
0: I. I, <laughs> no, I,
1: I did like this one <laughs>
0: they had to i don't they had to circumcise that scene from the movie they couldn't oh. keep it in but oh. no I, yeah i think you know i i think that the description was vivid despite the fact that she was mute and she had to use her, her hands like she literally like just like mimes opening her hand and then like it pops it pops out like her thumb like is like and that's that's where it comes from which is very beautiful and elegant. You're right. It's very elegant. Like I'm sure the I'm sure the act of him getting aroused is, like, seeing a flower, in the fields blossom. But that's not what the movie's about. It's about her falling in love with with a fish. And it won Best Picture. Like, does it get to the point where that's just too ridiculous to even fathom? Um. Uh, no. <laughs> no, you're cool I'm going, with
1: it. Yeah, I'm cool with it. I mean. That was my, if I did a personal picks for the Oscars, I'd probably pick this one for best picture as my best picture of the year. What was your best picture of the year?
0: Well, okay, this is tough because my favorite movie was Lady Bird, but I wouldn't say it was the best out of those nine. It's hard to pick one that's the best because I don't think any of them were the complete package. Like, I think The Shape of Water was pretty close, but the story just... It was very paint by numbers for me, like despite the woman falling in love with a fish. It was paint by numbers for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, women falling in love with fish. It's like in every movie. I haven't I haven't not seen it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, you know, strip. (laughs) But take that one big part away. And it's mostly it's mostly about like it's a Romeo and Juliet story. Fair enough. Except in the end, instead of them both dying they are both resurrected because it turns out that amphibian man has godlike powers and brings them both back to life after they're both shot by Strickland. And then they dive into the water and her scars grow into gills and she can breathe under the water. So it's almost like scars are beautiful. So that brings
1: up a good point. And I remember now that you were asking me to pitch a sequel and we never got to that point, but, um, do you think that her scars—how she got it in some river—did the monster, as a child, do that to her? With I, the amphibian man?
0: I wonder Where did that. those
1: scars come from? Did, were they like always meant to be together?
0: I wondered that. I wondered if she was attacked by amphibian man, but I don't think that that's what they were going for because. Because. Then there's that whole falling in love with your abuser thing which I do not think was the point of the movie. Like the point of the movie to me was very much like even outsiders, you know, outsiders are people or amphibian men too. Like love is love. And no matter who you are, you should feel comfortable loving who you want and being who you want. So for there to be a subplot for there to be this, for us to think, Oh, Amphibian Man m- made her a mute by, by viciously attacking her as a child in a river. <laughs> and then she falls in love with him and he takes her into the ocean. That just seems way too dark.
1: But think about it. She has a Spanish name and he was from the Amazon.
0: I'm thinking about it. I still don't think it's a stretch. <laughs> to say. She didn't have
1: to be a Spanish character. Isn't she like British <laughs> Sally Hawkins?
0: That's, that's true. That's true. Or maybe there's this sort of undertone of like, um, 100? Yeah, I don't know, Bob. Maybe you know what? You might be onto something here. Amphibian Man was the one who, although I will say, Amphibian Man was not perfect by any means. He did yeah, eat he a, cat. a cat. Yeah, he ate a cat. What the fuck?
1: Was, I almost I was walked out of the theater. I love cats. That well, was the
0: most ridiculous. Time. That was the moment that I laughed out loud in the theater when I wasn't supposed to, which is he eats the cat. Which the audience did get a good chuckle out of that. Which is bananas that that we're at a point now where, like, cats are <laughs> getting their heads eaten off and everyone's like, oh, this is hilarious. Um, and then um, Richard Jenkins' character, like, he gets attacked too. In fact, he gets scraped across the arm. He gets slashed, right? So there's another thing that kind of fits your theory is his amphibian man slashes him with his claws. And then... Um, and then Sally Hawkins comes in and Richard's like, it's okay. He didn't know any better. Go find him. It's <laughs> just like, this is, this is dumb. That was the one point where I was like, this is dumb. No one would say that. He's just an animal. He doesn't know any better. Meanwhile, yeah, like, but like they're boning. I don't know. It was, that seems weird.
1: Yeah. It's weird that he was, you know, able to restrain himself and not kill, <laughs> kill her character uh, in the middle of uh, having sex. But he accidentally ate a cat's head. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah right like he doesn't know any better when it comes to what he can eat but he knows what he can fuck
1: that i mean that's that's kind of just sums up me i guess i don't know
0: (laughs) well here's a question for you was amphibian was was that amphibian man's first time
1: i mean he was good wasn't he though she was saying he was really good
0: oh so you think he's been around the block
1: with other fish yeah i mean there's got to be fish women and that oh, by the way, that brings me back to the sequel. The sequel, I think, is like kind of like a rendition of this movie. And meet the meet the parents. They swim off to the Amazon, and he is, she meets her whole family, and it's a rom com.
0: Oh man, yeah. Like, what are they gonna do now that they're in the ocean? Like, he obviously is from the ocean, but she like she eats eggs. Like, there she's not gonna be able to get her boiled eggs anymore. <laughs>
1: Her eggs will be boiled another way. It's all good.
0: Yeah. Well, so that was en- that was like one of the like motifs is boiled eggs, like she bonds with him over an egg that she boils and places in his tank, and he munches on it. And then later she brings like a dozen eggs, and just keeps bringing him eggs and eggs and eggs. And I'm not sure what the purpose of the eggs were. Like if there was some sort of deeper meaning, it just seemed like that was just a food that they like to both eat.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but uh, give me a few boiled eggs, Matt, and uh, I'll be your one true love forever.
0: Will you? Will your crotch open up <laughs> to reveal some sort of fish-like thing? <laughs>
1: I don't know if our show's always going to be this sexual, or if it's just it's just this movie that we're talking
0: about. Tune in next week for "Call Me by Your Name." <laughs> oh um,
1: man, if we get "Call Me by Your Name" next week, that would be
0: uh, pretty funny, and I'll be eating a peach the whole time. Mm. Um. <laughs> so okay, so that's your sequel. My sequel, my sequel is that they they get they get captured by another lab, but this time it's run by fish, and she is the lone human (laughs) in the lab. (laughs) And and he's, like, bringing her like caviar eggs to eat, (laughs) and then then it sort of repeats. There's some sort of like swordfish Strickland character, and like a blowfish, played by Octavius Spencer, and...
1: (laughs) Oh, that's... That's pretty awesome. That kind of (laughs) kind of reminds me the the Rick and Morty episode where the phones are ordering pizzas and the pizzas (laughs) are ordering phones. Oh yeah, (laughs) the humans are ordering (laughs) pizzas. (laughs) Just keeps switching.
0: (laughs) I feel that there are parts of this that I felt like maybe this is a Rick and Morty episode. Like, am I supposed to be like that's so? That was one of the things that was weird about this. Is I'm watching this fish human sex scene. And I'm kind of not hating it. Like, I'm kind of like, this is normal. Like, this is nothing weird about this.
1: <laughs> I guess that makes sense. So uh, what I'd be interested in is what, what would it take to make this a blockbuster?
0: Ooh. And, it's, and it did do pretty well, especially considering it's $19 million budget. But...
1: So it made what? $110 million?
0: Yeah, so far it's made 110, million. And, and I think they so, probably
1: get a good boost after the after the award ceremony. So how would it make that Black Panther cash?
0: Hmm. I think for one, you gotta ditch Doug Jones. Um, I think probably you sub in the Rock for the sea, for Amphibian Man, and, <laughs> and I Can think you smell what this fish is cooking. <laughs> I think I think you sub in the Rock, but like you you have to probably get rid of his um, his head. Like it has to be the rock's head, like on an amphibian body, like because people have to know it's the rock, and he's gonna have to speak. Um, so that sort of gives that sort of takes a little bit away from it, but like he's gonna be able to speak, and he is gonna go to town. Ta- he's gonna go to battle with Strickland, who is probably gonna have to be played by Kevin Hart now, since they only do movies together. So Strickland <laughs> is now Kevin Hart. And they have, to, they have to, like, fight it out. And instead of it just being one action scene at the end where Strickland shoots them and then gets his throat slashed, like, it's like an all-out, like, street race, Fast and Furious style, boat race, sorry, let's do boat race. And, <laughs> like, let's just make it all about water, water, water. Um, and I think instead of him getting his throat slashed, he gets his throat slashed, and then Amphibian Man pulls out a boiled egg, and stuffs it in the open throat and just and says some sort of egg pun that's how you make another 500 million out of it like egg puns (laughs) and the rock what about you
1: (laughs) no i can't top that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm all i'm all for the egg puns
0: (laughs) i was kind of like disappointed there were no egg egg puns like spoil this sticks it down his throat or something. That's
1: something that sounds like something i would do not like a good movie that wins academy
0: awards <laughs> well all right well in this scenario it doesn't win best picture it just makes another 100 million so so
1: that's
0: so that's about yeah. that's about that
1: but one of us is dead
0: corn oh man, oh, man. <laughs> I did have time to look up other other movies with fish in the title. Did you have time to do that?
1: Uh, no, because I have better things to do with my time. But let's hear them.
0: Well, do you remember Gone Fishing with Joe Pesci? <laughs> I do. <laughs> that is by far the best movie with fish in the title. And I could not believe it when I looked this up. Um, do you Guess what the budget for Gone Fishing was. <laughs>
1: I don't know. 10 million? No. Nope. That's way too low.
0: Keep guessing. Higher, or lower? Keep guessing. Uh
1: Oh, oh no. It's going to be super expensive, isn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's more expensive than Oscar winner Shape of Water.
1: Oh no. Is it like 400 million or something ridiculous <laughs> like that?
0: No, it's 53 million dollars. to make Gone Fishing, which is just about a couple guys who decide to go fishing and then their boat gets stolen and hilarity uh, ensues. How how did they... (laughs) 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 How did they use that money? (laughs) Oh, my God. I guess Joe Pesci
1: costs a lot of money, though. You know, he's a big deal.
0: Yeah, maybe Joe Pesci. I I recall there being some sort of hijinks involving a, a bathroom stall and, like, a cigar. So, I don't know if maybe... I don't know they busted I think they I think at one point they drive through like a fishing shop and maybe that cost 10 million dollars
1: <laughs> yeah or they shot it like Jaws on the open water with animatronic fish or yeah, something
0: <laughs> yeah Danny Glover is also in that movie by the way we, shout out to Danny Glover I'm too old for this shit um, and he's actually in the I think that might be the line they use when he's in the bathroom stall and then, like, that's the kind well, of mean, movie that we're talking about that was made yeah. with a I mean, Danny million. Glover
1: and Joe Pesci are in Lethal Weapon
0: 3 together, I believe, or 4. <laughs> I think it was 3. That's when they must have yeah. bonded and been like, hey, I have a good idea. <laughs> $53 million well, there was dollars a, later.
1: There was a scene in, in that Lethal Weapon where they're, like, fishing and they catch a shark or something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think it was the, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we're, you're like really harping on this
0: shark scene. <laughs> like maybe yeah, this is yeah. the key to the whole thing.
1: Maybe that's how Guillermo del Toro got the idea for this film. <laughs> Probably not though. What else What else has fish in the title?
0: Uh, uh, Big Fish, which is actually my favorite fish title movie.
1: Okay, I haven't seen that one.
0: Oh man, nominated for Best Picture. So at some point, maybe we'll get around to it.
1: If this um, podcast runs for over a hundred years we will get to big fish. Yeah.
0: Blackfish starring... Who could forget blackfish.
1: Oh, that shit documentary that's full of lies. I Whoa. love SeaWorld. Whoa. <laughs> just pointed, just pointing that out there. <laughs>
0: Whoa. What? You hate the, fish. Yeah. You hate animals. You hate happiness. Like I'm what?
1: a big I'm a big supporter of SeaWorld. They do a great job with conservation and and fish rights, so
0: they do not clearly i've seen blackfish
1: yeah but all the people they interviewed uh ended up suing the documentary for misrepresenting them so
0: yeah well that's sort of what you get i mean that's what you get with documentaries like that but the fact remains that a fish that big should not be in an enclosure that small
1: right technically they're not fish i have half a semester of marine biology under my belt and uh those are orcas those are technically dolphins
0: which is technically a mammal technically but who knows for sure should (laughs) we play a game of um should we play a game of um oscar roulette here to see what our next movie is going to be
1: oh no are we hit that time already i'm having so much fun talking to you
0: I think we're just about hitting that time. Um, and he's shaking his head. Like he's not, not having fun talking to me whatsoever.
1: This is why we should do a video portion of the podcast. Those so jokes will land.
0: It's a consideration, um, that we'll, 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 make this a video podcast, maybe starting as early as next week. But, um, as you may have experienced, we, uh, we're just, we're just figuring it out. We're just going to figure it out as we go. And, um, I think as we go go along, I think we're going to start having some fun here on um, The Podcast Goes to. What would you say, Bob?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. So if you're a listener and there are already other episodes out because this podcast has been running for a while, you should probably end this recording because we were doing a crappy job and go later in the podcast when we're going to be really good at what we do. Take it away, Matt.
0: I'd be pretty pissed if I made it an hour into our podcast (laughs) and was then told, hey... Maybe you shouldn't listen to this one.
1: <laughs> that's a good point. Can we cut that and put it at the beginning of this?
0: Oh, maybe, but we should wait to do that until after we have 10 more shows under our that belt. That sounds
1: good. That's if uh, I make it back from this uh Vegas trip.
0: That's true. You might not. You might not make it back. So, as we said earlier, um we're we're just getting going here. Um moving forward, we're going to we're going to have some some fun stuff going on on the show and um I really think that if you stick around I think it's going to be a good time. Um but for next week we're just going to draw uh, a name out of the hat from one of the one of this year's Oscar nominated best pictures. Is that what we've determined?
1: Yeah, so uh we want to go through any any nominated film for best picture is going to be fair game for this podcast. So in the future we're going to pick any of the <laughs> what, 90 times at least five (laughs) uh, nominated films for Best Picture. We're going to rewatch them. We're going to talk about them each week right on the show. But since we're so ill-prepared and we didn't feel like sifting through all those Best Picture nominees, we're going to pick from the remaining eight films that were nominated for Best Picture this year and didn't win because we just talked about the one that did win. So... We have Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Ladybird, Phantom Thread, bleh, The Post, bleh, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing Missouri. Would you like to do the honors, Matt?
0: <laughs> I will. Here we go. And the podcast goes to Come on, Phantom Thread, Darkest Hour.
1: Ooh, not a film I wanted to rewatch, but I guess I will.
0: (laughs) Tune in next week for the dark. Things are going to get dark starting next week. Um, I'm looking forward to this, and I hope everyone listening is as well. So I think with that, I think that we're going to wrap up this week's inaugural episode. Does that sound good to you, Bob?
1: Matt, stop interrupting me while I'm interrupting you.
0: Is that going to be your, si- your sign off?
1: No, that's, that's, a, that's a line from the movie Darkest Hour. Coming oh. to you next week.
0: <laughs> wow, way to make it look like I have no idea what's going on. This, this brings back memories of Sean Rockwell way in the beginning of the episode.
1: <laughs> Good old Sean.
0: Yeah, oh, Shawnee Shawnee Rocks
1: cool so uh yeah we talked about shape of water next week we'll be talking about the darkest hour and then at the end of that episode we're gonna pick one of the many films nominated for best picture at the oscars in the last 90 years
0: that's right tune in next week i hope you all join us on another episode of the podcast goes to